0: What is up? It is January 12th, a Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern, and it's time for the Monster Maverick Show. So, uh, yeah, we got Matt Clark in the audience, who's amazingly awake, because its he's on Australia time, which is like, I don't know, 5 in the morning, 4 in the morning, 2 in the morning? I don't know, it's a big country, but uh, <laughs> it's one of those. Uh, yeah, so it has been another week. It's been an eventful week, as always so we have a bunch of stuff to talk about usual housekeeping stuff uh oh 7 30 a.m that's not bad 7 30 uh is not it's not too bad. i'm usually up at you know five or six in the morning that's what happens after you have kids you're just awake all the time so <laughs> uh oh matt clark's been up for an hour or so okay welcome to the early morning crew we got Krim, we got kazrak we got matt clark we got ron don producer extraordinaire Uh, And you know more people tend to filter in throughout the hour So if anybody is watching the live stream Which I generally recommend that you do because I go through a lot of stuff on my browser and I will clip and drop things in the chat, but uh, you know, it's not quite as smooth i guess as as uh watching the stream but if you're watching that you'll notice i'm a little bit see-through today <laughs> because i'm wearing a green shirt and you know i've got the green shirt i've got the green screen behind me so obs is not doing a great job of telling the difference you know when i wear whenever the green shirt on um uh, you know same you know i do the virtual background thing on zoom with my green screen it can pick up the difference without any problems. so i don't know obs's deal um uh, Guess the lighting is a little bit more sensitive or or less sensitive whatever the case may be so yeah that's that's fun little little things to, <laughs> to watch yeah, ninja mode that's right you can't see me coming i'll get you uh but you know usual usual intro stuff uh you know we've got we've got a few people coming into deck 404 deck 404 is the uh the count splitting service that we have with with gerber myself and gerber it's part of the deck 101 umbrella where deck 101 you send in your, your cards usually rewards cards get a little bit better better than burn rates uh in terms of dark energy crystals and you know if you're going to be selling for i typically say less than 10 percent above uh oh yab is in the house uh less than 10 above burn rate generally you're better off just sending it to deck 101 because, you know, by the time you sit around and sell it, you know, your opportunity cost and then you got to pay 5% uh, on market fees if you are uh, selling through one of the markets. So quicker, easier, faster uh, deck 101. So deck 404 is the account splitting service where an owner comes in, delegates cards to an account. Players come in and uh, play that account. Rewards are uh, are split 50-50. Uh, all rewards cards are sent through deck 101. But then anything, everything's converted to dark energy crystals, and then split. Um, so you know we've got we've had a few more people come in over the past week or so on that, and you know I still I know I told you guys it would be soon, but it's taken a little bit longer than than I had planned. Uh, our next evolution in the deck 101 family is uh, is coming. You know, basically you know Gerber is the workhorse behind the whole thing, and he's been. Uh, doing his D City stuff, which is taking a little bit longer than I had planned, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, just know the things are coming in. I'm gonna still say Q1 2021, and it's gonna be awesome. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it there. Uh, a special announcement, though. Special announcement. Uh, I'm gonna have another podcast on the MSP Waves Network. So uh, this is going to be totally unrelated to everything Spinnerlands. But it's going to be tax Sherpa stories. So, for those of you who know, Tax Sherpa is my uh, is my company, and you know my team that I've put together. And uh, we do we do taxes, we do uh, tax planning, we do uh, you know financial coaching for businesses. And I decided to go ahead and make a podcast out of stories that uh, that have come up. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's just call it that that i've come up that i've come across in my in my travels in the in the business and tax world so it'll be a little bit of of uh you know just me riffing on on stuff on a particular topic uh, any particular week it's gonna be mondays at at uh 3 p.m eastern i think is what we decided on and Uh, Yeah, so it'll be like half, you know, me talking about a particular issue, uh, which may be topical or timely or maybe kind of universal. And then I imagine anytime I talk about financial stuff, I always get I always get uh, questions like, what about this? What about that? And so I so I think about half the show will be will be that I can't comment on people's specific situations because, well, it's not that kind of environment. Uh, So the crimson give me official financial (laughs) advice. I won't be able to give you official financial advice. I can give you my opinions on things, uh, you know, things I'm doing, the way the way I see things. Um, but uh, that is that is coming. So coming next Monday, six days from today, uh, that will be a thing. It'll be it'll be similar to to Monster Maverick here. So you know, we'll have a live Discord chat, and then the. Um, you know, it'll be rebroadcast on, on a podcast and, and YouTube and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Krim is not happy that, uh, I'm not going to give official financial advice, but I will give you my official opinions about things and how I would do things. So that's, that's close. Uh, you know, I, once upon a time I was series 65, uh, you know, investment advisor, but I let that go a long time ago after some realizations. And maybe that will be one of the stories about how nonsensical all that is so uh so yeah so i hope to see some of you guys uh next week uh during that Uh, obviously a lot of you guys are not in the u.s so uh you know u.s tax stuff is not going to be the same uh in your place but you know tax tax treatments tax laws are broadly similar worldwide so you may still get some some interesting stuff out of it um and you know if you just want to check crypto that's cool too we can do that Okay, so on to stuff that is happening or has happened over the past week. So we have a few a few things, but they're like major things. So uh, first off, we have the ninth untamed airdrop card revealed. So I will drop that chat or that link in chat right here. There it is. Let's go over to Peak D. And we can see the The actual post we got Beatrix Ironhand so this was a little bit interesting so um, the the tenth or sorry the the ninth airdrop was all along going to be a legendary dragon summoner because so we got we got Yoden we got mimosa we got um, uh, we got Chansey uh, I forget the actual name (laughs) we got Lear and let's see we got the llama the, the scarred llama mage so those were all the splinters uh, for the legendary summoners, which leaves the dragon summoner. And for reasons uh, <laughs> reasons unknown, uh, that was going to be postponed to the tenth airdrop rather than the ninth. So coming up next, we have Beatrix Ironhand, and uh, it's an it's an epic. It's it's earth splinter. Now let's go ahead and actually, I don't need to screenshot this. I can just copy the image address right there and uh yeah so she is pretty interesting so she's got thorns she's got uh she's got cripple i actually really really like cripple uh you know because you know when you're fighting against teams that have health or scavenger and health or or tank heal then um you know by by knocking down the the potential max is is really useful Uh, and then you know then she has her own close range ability. So close range up until now has been a rule set, and I imagine it still will be, where a, a ranged attacker can can attack from the front line. But now uh, this uh, this monster can attack all by herself from the front line, even though she's ranged. She got six mana. At uh, at max level, she's got four ranged attacks. She's got four speed, six health, no armor. Uh, so you know, and interesting. And Rondon's saying she'll pair nicely. With the llama, I mean, that's true, you know. So, uh, we've got uh, seven and six, that makes a 13. So, if you have one of those low mana matches, might be a good play. Um, you know, uh, typically, <laughs> a lot of times, I like to uh, I like to get um, you know, like a, a jelly in with the scarred llama when you have a 13, uh, because just the, the scavenge and the heal is gets ridiculous. <laughs> um, so yeah, Matt Clark says void armor is like that too. It takes what was a rule set weak magic and makes it into ability. Yes, same kind of thing. So uh, so it'll be interesting. I actually think she pairs a lot better with with Prince Renan. Uh, you know, with the plus one to the uh, to the uh, range attack and the speed boost, and of course health boost being you know earth, earth splinter. So uh, it's super interesting, and we'll see we'll see how the meta shakes up and. Uh, Ron says ranged isn't good for the llama because last stand is usually useless. I, I mean, that's true. But even so, you know, if we double up on the health, go from six to 12, that's decent. Uh, but you know, her, her attack is only four. So that's, mm, I don't know if that'll get the job done. Um, cause I think it goes from four to six, not four to eight, but and also no piercing or, or anything like that. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm certainly open to being wrong, but I think, I think it's better paired with Prince Renan. So, to get in on the airdrop, at the time of writing, there are just over 10,000 Untamed Booster Packs available for purchase. They will be eligible for the Beatrix Iron Hand airdrop. Of course, all Untamed Booster Packs purchased to date, either through the site or through the crowdfunding campaign, are also eligible. And after the airdrop, the card will be available to be found in all packs opening going forward. These packs will also be eligible for all five of the remaining new untamed card airdrops that will happen every time another set of 100,000 packs are sold. The next of which is planned to be the final legendary summoner card to be added to the set, and will be from the Dragon Splinter. We also want to remind everyone that it's still often possible to get a discount on purchasing booster packs by getting Dark Energy Crystals, tokens on the secondary markets, deck currently trades on the following exchanges, blah blah blah. And there's a little bit of lore. Uh, you know, I, one of these days I will crack open my book and r- actually read it. <laughs> but it's still sitting in my garage at the moment, along with uh, along with my pack of cards, the physical cards. So, um, I th- where was the info on the guaranteed rates? Ah, here we go. So, thirteenth uh, epic card to be unveiled. So chances of receiving the card in the airdrop as well as in booster packs going forward without the use of potions will be approximately 1.538% or 1 in every 65 packs on average, with an average of 1 in 50 of them or 2% being gold foil. Additionally, players will be guaranteed to receive at least one Beatrix Iron Hand for every 65 packs they have purchased. So I have said it before and I will say it again, I really like having the floor <laughs> on the random num- number generator in these cases. Uh, so, you know, I typically score right around that floor. Uh, you know, my luck with the RNG is just not great. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, I, I calculated on mine. I think I, you know, you need 46 to max. I think I'll get like 40. Um, so I'll be close and uh, I'm pretty happy with that. So, uh, I imagine I will just, you know, get whatever I get in the airdrop and then I will max it out and that'll be that, um, i am at least you know i'm not going to be stacking this until you know proven a need anyway so if we go over to splinterlands we can see in the shop what do we got here packs we're at 96 531. so we're getting close 3500 3500 remaining and if we look at um hive data oops Hivedata.space. It's such a weird domain. Hivedata.space. But, you know, it's a great site. Let's look at purchases. Just look at booster packs. And so, it, you know, it varies significantly. (laughs) Let's just say that. Uh, But lately, we've been averaging, what, you know, I mean, it's a pretty big range. 500 to to 1183 so let's call it i don't know 750 750 a day something like that so we're looking at you know five days unless uh someone fomo's out of the um uh f- you know to to run the rest of the packs we do have a season ending coming up here shortly and we tend to get a lot of pack distributions at that point we got two days and ten hours oh. I don't know if you can hear that ambulance going by or not. That's, uh, you know, always fun. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, we'll probably run out right around the season ending when people claim and, and then we'll get our next batch of a hundred grand to go through. So yeah, I mean, while I'm on the, while I'm on the screen, actually, I've had an interesting season the uh so last season i got up to champion one i got reset back to diamond one and i actually got the strategy from matt clark who's here in the audience of alternating seasons where i do i do one run up to champion and then the next one i go into uh diamond for for competition of packs and uh <laughs> matt clark is saying final hundred thousand packs of untamed will go for in less than a month i'm calling it final hundred thousand packs like of the of the whole series uh because we're still quite a ways away from that or do you mean the next hundred thousand but um but yeah so so you know doing this alternating strategy where i go into champion one get reset back into diamond one and then compete for packs in diamond one and then get reset to gold one and then i run all the way to champion so uh that has been the the modus operandi the last little while uh last two seasons i was kind of struggling a little bit so i just ran to Champion uh, both times. Uh, I think last season I got the champion one, but the one before I only got champion two. Uh, you know, stuff comes up, work's getting busy, you know, in, in the tax world, turns out January to April is very busy, uh, in the U S. So there's that. Uh, but you know, so in the first, I don't know, uh, I don't know how many days, let me see my battle log here. Uh, ba-ba-ba. last time I played was four days ago because I got up to 3828 and then i was in the packs you know i, w- I was actually in the 10 pack range which is just kind of the target so i i at that point i got into place number i don't know 18 or 19 something like that and i realized well you know the chances of me getting into the top 10 and getting 15 packs is low because i just don't play enough uh, so i'll just i'll just sit here and, and kind of float with the uh, with the competition and I got as high as 12 at least that I saw and now I'm down, down to number 21 and 10 packs goes from place number 11 in, in the Diamond League anyway, place number 11 to place 25. and uh, so you know I'm I'm kind of happy <laughs> with that. <laughs> Matt Clarks just tried that and couldn't even hit top 50 in diamond just don't have the hours or the talent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's tough. I mean, the competition gets gets serious. Um, you know, we got some bots in here, like let's well, Mor- Moriarty ninety five here has seven hundred and sixty four games played in this season, which is clearly uh, <laughs> you know botted activity. When you look at everybody else in like the one hundreds and two hundreds. Uh, uh, thanks for dropping by, Yeba. Yeah, can't stay longer. Gonna walk the dog before it gets dark. Yeah, trouble with dogs, and um, you know. My my kids are always after me if we want a dog we want a dog we want a dog say so number one no because <laughs> I don't want to take care of the dog uh, number two is that if we had a farm where you know we had space and we had livestock and you know the dog had a job I would say fine we can get dogs and get some livestock guardian dogs uh, <laughs> no is the correct answer uh, you know, my, uh, my, my wife's family had a, um, uh, what's, what are they called? They look, they look like polar bears. Uh, they're giant, white, fluffy. Uh, they're, they're a particular breed of livestock guardian dog. And, um, I, you know, that would be fine, but, uh, but it's not staying in the house and I'm out cleaning up after it. So that's, <laughs> that's the story. <laughs> uh fox is saying dark is the best you do not need to clean the street No, it wasn't a malamute it was um ah uh, it's gonna bother me it's not an anatolian uh sheep herder it's not a uh it's not a saint bernard god uh, oh, they really look like polar bears just like smaller um great pyrenees that's what it is great pyrenees um, dog so you know they are they are great livestock guarding dogs they have very good instincts as far as you know, herding and um, and protecting. Yeah, they, they they do shed like crazy. Uh, you know, when my wife had, when my wife's family had this dog, you know, she was uh, you know a teenager at the time. Um, there would be like these tumbleweeds of fur <laughs> fluff just going through the house. Graham uh, says they're so amazing. Talk about the Great Pyrenees dogs, or Great Pyrenees? I'm not sure. Uh, so anyway. that's that's the plan (laughs) so uh yeah they don't live very long that is true the, the larger breeds tend to tend to go early um you know same with giant humans like andre the giant and all that kind of stuff the the vasculature just can't support the size after a while but um yeah so the uh the season activity that i've been that i've been doing I've been floating around in the 10 to 20 range, now I'm down to 20 down, now I'm down to place 21. People tend to, you know, uh play a lot more as the season ends and, you know, the the the, the rank inflation increases. So, now I actually have people above me that I could potentially battle and win points from. Cuz the problem with being number 12 is that I can only really win if I beat somebody who's above me. And that's I mean just numbers wise, uh frequency wise, that's hard to do. They, uh, you know, so like you could, like I, my winning rate is about 60% on average. And so, you know, I win more than I lose, which is great. But if I go plus three, plus three, uh, plus three, then minus 25, then that doesn't work out. So it's, it's really hard to, uh, to grind that out. You have to have a much higher winning rate in order for that to work. So like these guys up here, uh, you know, TS dragon is 177 battles, 143 wins, Let's see, whatever that number is, it's high. 143 divided by 177 is, come on, Banjo, 80, 81%. I mean, that's that's fantastic. So, uh, you know, at that rate, you can afford the the 1 in 5 loss and still, you know, make progress, which obviously he has because he's, he's at 41.28 right there. Um, but, you know, where I am, what, what am I, 40, 72 uh uh, seventy two battles forty six wins I think that might even be lower than sixty percent let's see uh ah, sixty sixty four percent okay so yeah i mean, i gotta i gotta play the odds the the way they are they are laid out for me so now that i'm down to twenty one tomorrow tomorrow morning I'll wake up and I will do my daily quest which i think I'm on earth right now and hopefully that will go well and I will win you know uh, either 5 out of 5 or four, or 5 out of 6, or, you know, hopefully not any worse than 5 out of 7, and, uh, you know, secure my spot in the 10-pack runnings. Because, you know, when we look at at the Leo decks, we go to... Bum-bum-bum... Market... And... go to Untamed. Untamed. So those are going for... 10.9 hive, uh, but a uh, dollar. Eh, let's call, call it a dollar twenty. Middle of the spread there. So you know, a uh, dollar twenty times ten, ten dollars twenty cents. Uh, that is far better <laughs> than what I would expect, unless I got just super lucky with rewards out of uh, out of loot chests. So you know, that is a more optimal expected value than than just going for the chests. Because I think the last time I looked, the average expected value of a chest was 63 Dark Engine Crystals, something like that. Uh, you know, it floats depending on card values and everything, but, um, but that's that's kind of average. It doesn't go too far away from that. And then tied to that is that, you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the crypto market's kind of taken a dump here <laughs> the last little while, uh, which has affected the Dark Engine Crystal prices. But before we get to that, I do want to uh show you another uh not a preview uh it's a you know the theme music that comes in at the beginning and the end of the show is by isaria and you know i thought i had been following her stuff but apparently not so i have missed a whole bunch of music that she's released so here is uh one piece that she's released it's uh, called marshlands and uh each week i think i'm gonna i'm gonna go through we got one, two, three, four, five more pieces apparently that I've missed uh, covering on the show. So uh, we're going to be doing like one a week here. But you know, I typically like to like to check the, all these things out, and uh, so you guys are going to sit here and listen for <laughs> for a little bit. Let's see if I could actually get this to play though. Yes, confirm. We'll go to another site, eyes isaria and let's play. It's very marshy. Welcome, Skyline. marshlands from uh, oh don't keep playing whoever has autoplay whatever site has autoplay like built in terrible (laughs) don't do that (laughs) uh but yeah so that's marshlands and i'm guessing that's going to be an earth splinter dungeon or some kind of earth splinter themed area for uh for the lands uh i like it a lot um it's very very marshy so you know uh, Azaria, I guess, I don't know what her title is exactly with Splinterlands, but she is the official music musicy person <laughs> for, for Splinterlands. Uh, and she does, she does a great job. So we will be featuring uh, a, a new song uh, or, no, or maybe not song is the wrong word, a new uh, element you know, that she releases uh, over the, at, at least the next you know, five or six weeks um, that I have queued up here. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, Matt Clark says eerie. Well, you know it's a marsh. So you know, if you're if you're in a flesh golem dungeon, uh, then you might have to have to battle. <laughs> so uh, so you know I was starting to talk about the crypto market. So I have talked in the past about how dark energy crystals are now linked to Ethereum, and uh, through the Uniswap pool and the market feed taken from the Uniswap price. And if we look at the chart of Ethereum, uh, here's a daily chart. You know, everybody was all excited because prices were mooning, and then last couple days it has done the opposite. It is you know, I don't want to call it a crash. I mean, it's it's a thirty percent retracement, which is you know severe. But um, you know, when it's been up you know a hundred percent, you know, is thirty percent really a crash? You know, crypto is just volatile. Uh, that's just how it is. But how that's impacted dark energy crystals is that, you know, so dark energy crystals has these fundamental, uh, limits where, um, you know, below about 65 splintoshi's or 650 splintoshi's um, or above 4,000 it's, you can actually arbitrage the market. So those are kind of your, I don't want to say hard limits, but they're, they are soft limits. And so if we look at dark energy crystals here. We can see that, you know, they kind of, let's see if I can do this where it'll actually show up on the screen. Okay, that that kind of works. The, uh, on trading view, it just has this weird um, artifact error where on some dates are off by a factor of a thousand. <laughs> so it's kind of makes for weird charts, but you can see it got all the way down to uh it got down to 65 which is you know my my arbitrage point and then has bounced back uh significantly but you know the the net result of all that is is you know people who are looking to sell dark Engine crystal are are hurting um you know it's a great time to sell cards because you're getting more dark energy crystals and if and when the dark energy crystal price bounces back which personally i think it will then you'll be sitting pretty so i mean 77 is a decent buy in my opinion um anything below 70 is like a home run so if you were one of the people who were paying attention on that day and that was that was yesterday on on the um I think it's, I think it runs in UTC time, then, uh, you got a screaming deal on, on the Dark Energy Crystals. So c- congratulations to anybody who did that. But, uh, you know, so good time to sell. If you are, if you are spending Dark Energy Crystals on the market, it's kind of rough because now you've got to spend more for a given card. Um, but you know, and also, you know, so it's, there's pros and cons, right? <laughs> Definitely uh, better to be on the selling side of cards and the buying side of Dark Energy Crystals right now because that's fundamentally what you're doing. You're, anytime you make a trade, you're, you're, you're selling one thing and you're buying another. Uh, if I, you know, I have this hat uh, and I, you know, I sell U.S. dollars and I buy the hat. Uh, that's that's how the exchange works just so when you have a card you sell the card you're buying dark energy crystals with that card on the flip side you are selling dark energy crystals and you're buying the the card so um you always have to keep in mind you're always long and short in in a transaction on one side or another so good time to be selling uh cards good time to be buying dark energy crystals and uh you know the the only caveat with that is that you know your rewards cards a lot of them float around the burn rates and uh you got to be careful there that you know if the price goes uh against you that you're not below burn uh, you know at a certain point uh breeze got a run thanks for dropping by you know i know it's late in the uh in the evening there over in i don't know what time zone that is but uh probably gmt plus two something like that um, so when we go to peak, you know, we can see the market feed in the, in the market screen. <laughs> and, you know, I woke up the other day and I saw seven, 7,000. I was like, Oh, that's rough. <laughs> but you know, those rewards cards, those can be, those can be a deal. Uh, you know, especially if you're buying credits 2230 in central Europe, that's, that's decently late. You know, I, um. Ever since I got my kids sleeping, you know, through the night, you know, which is fortunately a little while now, uh, I've been basically passing out at like, you know, 9, 10 o'clock. Uh, now I'm in tax season, so I'm actually staying up past my bedtime and just working all night. But uh, that's generally how it goes. So anyway, uh, speaking of those rewards cards, I think we're coming up on a couple that were running close to their limit here. Oh, let's look at this. This is Kyokiz's uh, GitHub project, and uh, it's it's a great little site. So, 99% Etten Spearman, I'll be glad when those are gone, because, you know, in Deck 101 we get a bunch of them, they're hard to sell, so they just pile up until we can burn them. Let's see if we can actually paste this, there we go. Uh, Baby Unicorn, 99%, that's another one that gets burned a lot. The jelly though gelatinous cube Gel- you know gelatinous cube is a great card it's used a lot uh for people who don't have lord arianthus it is super useful um and that's about to run out screeching vulture has the opportunity uh so that's that's always uh, a winner and it's also flying uh, which is helpful uh, that's at 99 percent, and everything else looks pretty well below that fire spitter fire spitter is is kind of niche but i like it a lot uh, Spirit Shaman is another one that builds up and we just end up burning because they're hard to sell. Um, yeah, and everything below that is in 70s, 60s, so on. Flame Monkeys. Uh, uh, Matt Clark says Flame Monkeys were so cheap, 1.3 cents, 75% print rate. Uh, yeah, you're right, 75 right there. And lots of bargains there. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's only up to 1.6 cents. Uh, Nectar Queen, I'm surprised doesn't get more play. Uh, Nectar Queen, I use uh, you know a lot in uh, in melee mayhem or in um, or in uh, uh, fog of war. You know, it's it's pretty useful. It's got high health. It's got uh, retaliate. Uh, it's got you know a lot of a lot of melee power. Uh, let's see, uh, any other n- standouts here? Uh, Barking spider is decent. It's an okay ranged fighter let's just sort this by percent printed how about that and barking spider flim undead rex does not get a lot of love warrior of peace is used a lot um there's plenty of them though so the price isn't very high wave runner Torhilo, uh both of those don't get a whole lot of love uh Matt Clark's, or Flowey says, use Nectar Queen a a lot and win more often than not. Matt Clark says, Nectar Queen, Earthquake, she's my go-to with Llama in Healed Out 2. Yeah, I mean, great card. Uh, Evangelist uh, is pretty useful, and she's at 64%. Uh, Again, and on down from there. You know, the one one to really keep an eye on, though, is the Sandworm. So Sandworm's at 41%, but... uh, you know, it is by far the best common rewards, or of the in print ones anyway. Uh, the best of the commons. It gets a lot of love. You know, it's got the piercing. It's got the. It's got the um, snare. It's got the sneak, and it's got. You know, at at max level, it's uh, I think seven attack, right? Seven melee. It's just a crazy powerful card, and in those high meta matches, it's it's really useful. Uh, so that's just you know things to keep an eye on. Like, you know, Matt Clark blind, buying up the Flame Monkeys. I use Flame Monkey a lot when I'm playing Fire. Because, you know, the Repair and the and the Speed Buff can't beat it. For one mana, hands down, great card. So, uh, <laughs> good in unlimited mana games so many ha- of the high mana have Flying. That's true. Uh, you know, I like to use uh, Snare in Earthquake matches a lot as well. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot, you know, but that minus two every time, every round, that adds up pretty quick. And unless, the, unless your opponent has a lot of armor or just a ridiculous amount of health, then that's a good way to, to approach it. Anywho, uh, so that is kind of the status of the rewards cards. And um, I did, let's, what do I want to do next? Uh, let's talk about the rentals. So the rentals market has been kind of, I don't want to say dead, but kind of um, difficult in slow motion <laughs> ever since the migration from Steam to Hive. Uh, you know, I know Jarvie's been unhappy with the legacy system. So th- he was actually talking about scrapping the whole thing until the next version was released, but people like begged and pleaded with him. So he was like, okay, you know, but they limited like the length of contracts and things like that. So, they released five days ago a preview of Rentals 2.0. Now, from the AMA that was last week, you know, I didn't take much in the way of notes because I just didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't uh, find it, you know, all that much uh, really noteworthy. But one thing they did say was that the rental system is going to be integrated into the main Splinterlands interface. So, on splinterlands.com, uh you'll be able to to work somehow or other inside the this this new rental system it's not going to be as fully featured apparently as the actual peak monster site and um you know we'll see kind of what that looks like but you know it is uh it is going to be available so that's i think that's great um last i checked Splinter or peak monsters had I don't know, twenty percent, thirty percent of the of the market activity around Splinterlands. So uh, definitely, you know, only one in you know one in three or one in five, um, you know, players are actually utilizing that. So uh, by integrating it into the main interface, I think that'll benefit a lot of people. And you know, like it says right here, is what we are planning is an auto rental system. So that is pretty cool. Uh, The goals are that owners should be able to dump hundreds, if not every card they want into our system in minutes, if not seconds. Renters would be able to select the monsters and summoners they want as quickly as they can decide what they want and click the buttons. We play matchmaker. You don't have to look at contract options, peruse the market, or even care at all who is renting it to you. We would would like a way for new players to have a one-click approach to renting. They don't even know what cards they want. We want options for them to click a competitive deck at the level they want in one click. That would be amazing. Uh, we still intend for it to have market fluctuations. We will allow users, players, and owners to impact the market value if they want to. But maybe some people will just roll with the market variations and say, I'd rather just select 5,000 cards, make them available, and be done with it, while the other owners will demand a certain return or use them elsewhere. And then they have our, our questions to you. If you are an owner of cards, how many cards are you looking at to make available? If It took you one minute to make them all available. If you are an owner renting out cards, would you we, would you like to know... DEC or USD or yearly return on asset percentage for that card. If you're a player or potential player, how many cards? Uh, how many cards are you looking at getting? Assuming it was little to no work to rent them in the first place. If you are a player, how would you set your max cost? DEC, USD, or or ROA? And what other suggestions do you have for us? So um, yeah, it's. I think it's. You know, I've not seen any any details about the new system, but from what I understand, and from the things Jarvie has said, is that it's going to be basically like a liquidity pool, but for cards. So you know, things come in and out, but you as as the renter, it doesn't matter. You know, you lose one card from from owner A, one from owner B just gets swapped right in, and same thing on the owner side. If if you are an owner and you just you have a renter, that renter falls out, whatever, another one fills right back in. You know, provided that there's you know enough demand inside the system. So I am I am pretty excited about this thing. Uh, I was a big user of the of the rental system originally. Um, my big thing with the original rental system was that I wanted to rent out sets. So they made sets available for sale, but I don't think that's really the thing. I think it was I think it was renting sets was was a much more useful option. So and that's kind of what this is. Um, So, you know, if I want to go in and say, I want, I want to compete in silver one. And so I need 70,000 dark energy or 70,000 collection power. And I need level five commons, level four rares, level three epics, level two, um, legendaries. And, you know, just click, 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 and rent and go. I think that would be fantastic. Uh, similarly from, from an owner's side, you know, I'm, you know, uh, next to Aggrode, I have the most cards and I don't even count (laughs) Aggrode. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it'd be great to, to really, you know, push out um, the usefulness and, and the yield on my, on my cards. Um, you know, this is sort of a competition for Deck 404, uh, but I think that's okay. The more the merrier in this case. You know, we want more people having more activity uh, coming into the Splinterland system. So uh, I was actually on Reddit the other day, and, uh, you know, Splinterlands has, has a subreddit. And somebody was asking about, um, somebody was asking about the, if you can get, if you can earn in Splinterlands without, um, without, uh, you know, paying, basically. And I did comment on it, and I said that, yeah, I mean, if you use one of the, you know, Deck 404, basically, uh, then you can get started in, in, um, in the ecosystem without having to pay anything, so... That is possible. Uh, you have to be good enough and you have to do it. <laughs> so uh, that, is, that is part of the thing, part of the deal with the deck for our system. And, but similarly, on the rental side, you could rent and as long as, as long as the numbers are justified by your winnings, then it's effectively free. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's a great way for people to get started for that very low, uh, you know, investment level. Which, you know, the easier it is for people to get in, the better, you know. So I'm just, I'm super stoked about the Rental System 2.0 coming out. I don't know when it'll be. I get the feeling we might see it in February, but, you know, I don't have any sources for that. That's just a gut <laughs> a gut reaction here. And we can see Matt Clark commented here. So, uh, you know, people are, are giving their feedback and we should see something relatively soon. So... Uh, that's, that's rentals. Uh, another thing I wanted to, to hit on before we run out of time, well, there's actually two more things. So the thing number one that's, that's directly Spinnerlands related is that, uh, in the discord, uh, aggro started a new channel called tournament planning. And it's just, uh, just hashtag tournament dash planning. So what he said was that you know the the current state of the tournaments is what it is for the next month at least and you know i you know a lot of people are upset as always because you know the 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 complaint in crypto is that people want more rewards for less work and you know that's just human nature you know we all want more for, for less and uh that's perfectly understandable so any any change is always going to de-optimize somebody and improve optimization on somebody else so there's always going to be some kind of winners and losers uh so what i wrote said was that uh you know the the system is what it is for the next month at least and if people have suggestions you know throw it in that tournament planning uh, uh channel and what he would most like most be interested in is a, a sort of consensus document signed by at least 10 Mavericks uh, on changes they'd like to see in the tournament system. Not that he would necessarily follow them to the letter, but they would, you know, a, a proposal like that with that level of support would certainly be paid attention to. So it's sort of petitioning the king by the nobles. <laughs> you know? uh, so, you know, I think that is, that is super interesting and, you know, everybody has their own perspective on what the reward should be. But, you know, if you get at least 10 people who have major stake in the game, I think that's something. Uh, I have floated the idea in the past of having like a parliament, <laughs> like a parliament type governance, which uh, I think might be uh, a little bit beyond what, what they are looking at. But basically the idea is that you have the stakeholders. So you have your Mavericks. They're going to be like the House of Lords, uh, you know, in the British parliamentary system or the Senate in the U.S. system. Uh, so they're going to have, they're going to be fewer of them, but you know, they are the most invested. And so they're going to have louder voices and then, but you can't just listen to the whales. You also have to listen to the little guys. So we should also have a house of commons, uh, kind of thing, or a house of representatives in the U S system where, you know, the, the people with, with, you know, minimal investments, uh, we still want to hear their point of views though. It, you know, we want to be able to make the game accessible, because the more people that come in, the the better for all of us, right? Whether whether they are whales or whether they are minnows, it doesn't matter, because uh, you know a certain percentage of those people will become whales over time, um, and it might be a short amount of time, but it might be longer, and that's okay. Just the more the better, you know. We need that. We need that fifty thousand uh, daily active users to be at the beginning of successful, and you know from the uh, Ubisoft kind of guidelines, and I think th- I think that's actually a good a good rule of thumb to follow. Um, and obviously that would make us like so enormous in the blockchain space that it's not even, uh, I don't think anything else would come close. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that's the benefits of a blockchain that can actually handle transactions as opposed to Ethereum and, and other things. Uh, incidentally, I've been trying to, um, you know, I, I run a lot of DeFi stuff on, on Ethereum, and my gas fees are just crazy. So <laughs> I think on Sunday I spent like 100 something dollars in gas fees of just just trying to do one thing uh i mean it's a complex thing but it was just one thing so you know with hive you know we can we can actually do that so i am i am a fan of of that kind of infrastructure so uh i by having that that double layer of feedback then uh i think we could approach something that would be You know, it'll be a compromise. Nobody will be happy, but (laughs) it'll be somewhere in the middle. Uh, Matt Clark says, "Just sit and forget with the pools." Uh, That's true too, Uh, but that's not without earning or not not without investing. Um, You know, the it's interesting whether to get into or out of the pools when we see these price crashes, because that might be uh, an attractive. Uh, attractive time to load up on the Dark energy Crystal Geyser Rewards. WLU ETH is it for me. Yeah, that'll do it. All right, so then the other thing that I wanted to get to last week, but ran out of time, was the OCC. So this is not directly uh, Splinterlands related, but it is crypto related. And, you know, I don't even, I'm not even going to have enough time here to, to discuss all the stuff that I wanted to to talk about. But basically, <laughs> uh, Matt Clark says he burnt his F key, <laughs> so my Leo payments, payments are my pension. Sure, sure. Sounds good. Uh, so the OCC, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, uh, today published a letter, and this was back on January 4th. Uh, clarifying national banks and federal savings associations authority to participate in independent node verification networks invn and use stablecoins to conduct payment activities and other bank permissible functions so office controlling currency of the currency is one of the regulatory uh, bodies that oversees banks uh like it says national banks and federal savings associations i don't know i didn't even know there were still federal savings associations but whatever um so what what they said in this letter and there's a link to the actual uh release um uh down at the bottom of this post this is kind of a summary what they said is that banks can participate in INVNs now what's an INVN it's a blockchain it's uh it's bitcoin it's ethereum it's litecoin it's ripple it's whatever um so what this is saying is that banks can operate nodes uh which is mind-boggling right so uh so this does that we're not even getting the stable coins yet the the ability of a bank to operate a node is somewhat revolutionary so one this is a direct attack on china uh you know this it a lot so much of the node processing power is in china because you know they have subsidized their electricity and and a lot of the you know asic manufacturing is done there so uh, they have very low cost of of um, of production of blocks, and so you know most of the Bitcoin mining pools are. Uh, I think it's I think it's now an absolute majority of the Bitcoin mining is done by Chinese controlled pools. Now the actual miners themselves might be all over the world, but they're controlled by pool accounts in, in China. So, um, so this is an attack on that. This is also a way because you know if you if you solve a block in Bitcoin, as an example uh you get a mining reward and you get transaction fees so this is a way for banks to start to make money off of crypto right here uh and you know again it's it's an attack on china uh so that's that's positive for the banks it's somewhat positive for crypto in general we have more acceptance uh as more people make more revenue from cryptocurrency obviously the importance of the system will grow over time and um, it'll just legitimize everything. Now, the downside of that is that if you are connected to one of these, um, then the, your your account information is going to be automatically KYC'd by the banks. And that's where the stablecoins come in. So what they're saying is that uh, it's actually kind of interesting on the letter. I, I recommend everybody read it, where they're saying effectively, there is no difference between a, an electronic Record of a dollar deposit and a stablecoin, uh, because they both represent U.S. dollars, and as long as you know your, you know your reserves and your ratios are, and all that are, are there, then um, then it's all good. So they said that banks can use stablecoins uh, like USDC, USDT, DAI, you know whatever, uh, USDN even. There's a bunch of them out there, GUSD, so uh, they can use them. They can send payments, uh, t- you know, to and from other, you know, whatever you would send payments for through a bank, which is, you know, virtually everything. And uh, what was even more interesting, though, is that they said banks can issue uh, stable coins. Now, that could mean a couple different things. It could mean uh, a system like MakerDAO, where, you know, you collateralize your, uh, your holdings and then they issue against that. It could also mean that, you know, Bank of America down the road issues Bank of America coin and, you know, we're just relying on them to, you know, have the backup and of course, all commercial banks in the United States and pretty much around the world, uh, use fractional reserve. So now I expect to see, you know, once, once they start to see that there's actual money here, I expect to see a flood of, of coins there. And I expect them to be fractionally backed. Uh, because that's what they do with everything else. So why not? <laughs> and b- for the most part, uh, that will will work. Because, you know, um, very few people actually, you know, redeem their funds for, for cash. And they're not going to redeem their crypto or their stablecoin funds for electronic dollars. And they're not going to redeem the electronic dollars for, for actual uh, pieces of paper. So uh, I think that's going to be um, a thing in the near future. In the longer term, uh, this is going to kill the banks. (laughs) This is is the banks committing suicide in slow motion. So, I mean, just think about it. Let's say you are, let's say you are, um, you know, doing whatever with with your bank account. You're sending and receiving stable coins, uh, you know, whether, let's just say it's USDC. And after a while, it might start to dawn on you that, Well, if I have USDC and I'm sending it and I'm receiving it and it's as good as a dollar, what do I need to keep the money in the bank for? Because I can just keep USDC in my own wallet. It's the same exact thing. It's not like I'm getting paid interest by the banks. You know, we're well into interest repression, you know, we're (laughs) 30 years into that, so that's not coming back anytime soon. Uh, so, you know, the, the banking function, uh, can be internalized very easily to yourself. Um, what you will what you will lose out on is the organization of of funds so mortgages and credit cards and things like that you know where they're actually putting that fractional reserve into the hands of a consumer uh that'll be an issue um i expect to see you know as DeFi grows and evolves. i expect to see some of that in uh in the long term Uh, but it'll be securitized it'll it won't be it won't be fraudulent fractional reserve kind of uh kind of uh money creation. So uh I th- so short term I think this is great for the banks. Uh they're going to start to see the importance of crypto and as a result, you know, crypto gets legitimized, more people get exposed, the the market of cryptocurrency grows. Long term, people realize this the banks are, you know, doing nothing for me. So <laughs> might as well control my own money. And then the banks will die uh, of course they'll get bailed out, and you know it'll be one thing or another to uh, to uh, keep their keep their business models but uh, but you know it is oh, that guy got filled with a lot of arrows <laughs> uh, but it is the uh, the next stage of evolution uh, for money, and you know. <laughs> So, you know, it, it'll be really interesting. I, I don't know who's going to be first in the banking world to, to pick up on the independent node verification networks part and start running their own Bitcoin node. But you got to think that cost of capital for a bank is zero. So imagine how many how many nodes and how much hardware they could spin up on the Bitcoin network. And, you know, the the nth uh, result of that is that... Um, you know, they could take over the Bitcoin, uh, you know, just the whole network. Because, you know, I don't know how many people are actually aware. In the old days, you know, there was a reserve requirement of, you know, 10% or so. Where, you know, if a bank was to uh, set, give it out a mortgage, then, <laughs> then you know, they would, need, uh, they would need to keep 10% on hand as a reserve against that money that has been created. It's a little bit more complicated than that because, you know. So if you have hundred dollars, ninety gets lent out, and then that ninety goes to another bank, and that ninety becomes eighty one lent out, and on and on. It's a geometric series. But the net result is you get a ten x. So on that hundred dollars, you get a thousand dollars of money creation. And uh, but ever since uh, uh, was it two thousand eight or it might have been might have been after that, but the reserve requirement no longer exists. So a bank can have zero reserves and still issue money. And Soundwave's photon says someone called DeFi self-driving banks. <laughs> uh, that is, that's a good that's a good description. So, um, so <laughs> so if they do that internally, where they they create money for for the nodes, uh, the node verification purposes, you know, how much mining equipment could they buy for themselves? And you know, they could just just throw a hashing power. At Bitcoin until they can control it and then you know, maybe they turn it off (laughs) Uh, Which I don't think would happen because people just fork and and go to the next thing But you know, they they will definitely be able to see a lot more into uh, Into people's accounts because obviously everybody's already KYC would with their banks. So money coming in and out You'll be able to see uh, those kinds of things so that's that's the quick version of my thoughts on the OCC announcement. And it turns out we are about out of time. So I'm going to leave you with the theme song, which is again by Isaria, same artist as what we played earlier. And her stuff's great, and it's going to be featured heavily in the Lands expansion, which I am looking forward to.